May I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Merry Christmas. One of the things I love about the Episcopal Church is that we do not hurry through the holidays. Here we are in the midst of our 12 days of Christmas. We Advent, we Christmas, we keep taking it in, and we keep celebrating. There's been a lot of miracle to consider this last bit. In fact, our gospel reading is the same and a little elongated from our Christmas morning service just five days ago, which is also good because by Christmas morning, we may have had a hard time taking more in. Through Advent, we encountered our need for a Savior. We looked at history and saw it as political in the lens of Israel's exile, We saw it as cosmic as we took in light and darkness. And we saw it as personal. Sin is a problem we cannot solve. We need help outside of ourselves. Through this, we join the historic cry for help we hear in Scripture. God, save us. Save us from suffering politically and our social systems in spiritual war and from our sin. So our Savior comes as a baby. Big problems, small baby. In our church these past couple of months, there's been a lot of babies. And so it's so much fun. Babies are so captivating, so tiny, so helpless, so approachable. And this is how God came to answer our cry for help, to solve the depth and breadth of our need for saving. A baby. Incarnation. Incarnation is a startling thing. God and all that God is putting off some things of God's being to become one of us. A small, tangible way to inform our understanding is to consider cross-cultural sensitivity. Perhaps we travel to another land, another people whose lives are very different from our own. We seek to become like them. Perhaps we dress differently or cover our feet more intentionally or eat different foods, or maybe just eat with our hands. We put off our norm to become the norm of another. That is incarnation, taking off, putting on. Over the Advent season, I dipped in and out of a book of reflections called Goodness and Light, in which a wide variety of Christian authors contributed reflections. One of my favorites is by Anne Rice, who is best known for her series of novels called The Vampire Chronicles. She thoughtfully writes, The genius of the Christmas crib is that you do not need theology to approach it. You do not need any atonement theory to touch the Christ child's outstretched hand. The story is complete without the horror of the cross. Christ has embraced our helplessness Christ has enshrined our physicality within the limitless power of the maker of all things. Without the horror of the cross, interesting phrase, what we glimpse in the midst of our need which necessitates the cross is that there is more to consider. Jeffrey Bromley, historian and historical theologian, writing on the image of God, asserted a a hypothesis. He wrote, according to God's eternal counsel, the Son has always been the prototype and goal of humanity. 
so that even if humankind had never sinned, a mere hypothesis, humanity would still have come to the fulfillment of their destiny in relation to Christ. What he's saying is, is that even if sin would have never happened, Jesus would have come because Jesus is where we are going. Image of the invisible God showing us the way, showing us how to live. Our gospel reading hits this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word for word in the Greek is logos, spoken word. It's revelation of God and could refer to scripture, but is bigger, is more. God is a God who speaks to us, who reveals to us. And this reference of word here, logos, is a name for description of Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. God's Trinitarian existence, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has always been. Jesus is not plan B. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, showing us God, showing us the way, showing us how to live. John's Gospel describes this for us today. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made God known. Also in our gospel reading today, we hear, and the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Let's break that down a bit. Full of grace. Grace is unmerited favor, love beyond what is warranted in the face of sin, not death, not punishment, but favor, extravagant, faithful love all the time. Full of truth, this word implies an objectivity to it and having authority to claim it as a state of being, a no-matter-what-this-is-the-deal situation, unchanging. Jesus has come to show us the way and is full of grace and truth full of extravagant, faithful love, with authority and without change. This is so much. God is Christ coming to us, incarnation, taking the form of a person, letting go, taking up. What love? How do we respond to this love, authority, and generosity? Our gospel reading tells us we receive him. Receive. It's an interesting word and has become more alive to me recently as I walk through the wedding liturgy with a couple getting married next week. Receive is not merely passive. The wedding liturgy shows this. There is powerful symbolism. When the vows are spoken at an Episcopal wedding, before they begin, one reaches for the other who is there and takes their hand. Vows are spoken. They release hands. Then the other reaches and takes the hand of the one that is there and speaks vows. I think this is a beautiful picture of receiving. To receive, we reach for the one that is there. It is not passive, but certain and active, taking what is offered freely and completely, what is present and right in front of us. 
But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Incarnation, a big deal from every angle. God has come to us personally, socially, politically, globally, cosmically. Merry Christmas.